Shut up and sit down. When the wind blows, a disruption of the educational status quo, hosted by Aaron Barnes. And now, Aaron Barnes. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> that was the best thing I've heard all week. This is awesome. <laughs> That's the intro to the podcast, and so I'll come on and be like, "Oh my gosh, Sean, stop." You know? <laughs> Oh, that is too great. Oh, this is really exciting. (laughs) Oh, man. This is a passion project of mine. Um, So I started started listening to podcasts probably like 10 years ago. Mm. I love them. Um, And then I thought, you know what? I'm going to have my students, whenever I was teaching, I'm going to have my students podcast. Um, um, And so we created something. We called it the emancipation podcast station and it that was a twitter sourced name basically i put together an outline and i put each student's uh, no i just labeled one two three four five they had to go in and write their name and then their content my biggest thing was you cannot copy what somebody else has already said so they were adding to the the information by the time the seventh person got in there they were looking up obscure facts about you know x y and z i love that and then the other um thing they could have their notes in front of them but they couldn't read from their notes because the podcast was the test Mm. and so i didn't make them take an a b c d or anything like that if they could speak about history and so we did it for um, five years. We did American history, world history, oh. government, and then um, we didn't. <laughs> anyway, um, but then that we ended so up cool. eating American history. So uh, it, was, it was it was a lot. It was a lot of fun, and those kids loved it. And a lot of them went. They were they were like, history is my least favorite subject. Now it's my most favorite subject. So I think oh. that that was a win. You know. Yes. Oh my gosh. That's a huge win. I love that. That is so creative and how fun. My gosh. I love that approach. That is brilliant. All right. Are you ready for this? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. (laughs) All right. That was a little pre-show flavor given to you there. I truly love this guest. You're about to see why, Uh, but hang on tight. We're about to start the show. Welcome back to When the Wind Blows. This is a podcast for parents, teachers, leaders, really anyone vested in the world of education. Uh, thank you so much for tuning in another week. I am Erin Barnes, host of the show. And today I've got a pretty special uh, guest. We've never done this before. And, and I don't know why. Um, maybe I thought you guys were super untouchable, but um, we've got board member Ed Long here, um, Ed Long, thank you for being here. And I'm just going to call you uh, Ed. Is that okay? Ed, please. Absolutely, okay. please. Yeah. Um, for the remainder of the show. And so um, will you do me a favor? Let's start out with who are you and how did you first find out about the epic atmosphere? Uh, thank you, Aaron. And let me say thank you for having me on today. I'm proud to be the first board member, uh, probably the, the first of others. We have such great talent on our board. And so always great to showcase that. Um, so I, uh, I'm a native Oklahoman. I'll start way back. Uh, native Oklahoman, um, lived a lot of my life in rural southeastern Oklahoma, 
been in the Oklahoma City metropolitan area since the early 90s, um, came here for college and have kind of stayed, stayed put since. Um, I have been engaged in public service, kind of broadly defined in Oklahoma for more than a couple of decades now, um, working in state government service, the nonprofit community, um, just you know, volunteering my time, um, just really focused on, on trying to be the best public servant um, that I can and um, had the opportunity to serve um, on another board and, and get to know uh, our current board chair, Ginger Casper, um, and uh, was aware of Epic, was aware of the innovation and um, the model uh, and was really, really inspired by it. I thought it was a fantastic model. I wanted to know more about. Um, and when an opportunity came about to apply for consideration as a board member, um, I was incredibly honored to submit my uh, nomination and be considered. And now fast forward uh, almost a year later, about to finish my first uh, one-year term on the board. And it's just been an incredible honor to be a part of this environment, uh, one that's filled with innovation and enthusiasm and energy and excitement. And I could go on and on with the descriptors, but it really is just, I, I I leave every board meeting just inspired and in awe of the work that you all are doing uh, as a school and our students. When we get to hear the success stories of our students just doing incredible things, um, it's just it's very moving and rewarding. And so I'm honored to be uh, one of our one of our current board members. Awesome. And and all of you guys are volunteers. Like you're not paid board members or anything like that. So. That's correct. Why Epic? What excites you about this model versus going and serving in Edmond or Oklahoma City? Um, you know, what what brought you to Epic? What inspired you to be here? Great, great question. So, uh, and 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 not to necessarily compare us to our friends in, in brick and mortar because they're doing amazing work as well. Uh, but one of the things that I did really love about this Epic model um, is kind of rewind and, and talk in general first about my philosophy uh, around public service and how we, I feel we should be serving others, our family, friends, and neighbors. And one of the things that I noticed over the years is that we often, uh, education's included, but whether it's education, healthcare, other sorts of, you know, um, social policy areas, um, child welfare, whatever the case may be, um, we tend as a society, you know, using the, the universal we, not you and I necessarily, but as a society, we tend to design programs or services um, uh, in a way that, you know, we're designing for someone based on what we think is best for them. Um, we know that that's just not the best way to do it. Um, and the best approach really is being, uh, in general, I talk about being person-centered. We talk a lot at Epic about being student-centered and really focused on the student. Uh, and their caregiver, their family unit, the community they're in. So really focusing in on that student and creating and designing, I should say co-creating and designing alongside of that student and, and, and caregiver, what best meets their needs. And, and I just think overall in terms of how we serve folks, that just makes the most sense. Um, we have all unique circumstances and, and issues and barriers and challenges that we face on a daily basis. And so just being able to be a part of something that creates an environment as a board member, you know, certainly I don't, I don't operate the school, you all operate the school, um, but just being a part of, of, a, um, of a governing body that allows me to help create an environment where you all can thrive, where the students can thrive, 
uh, and be a part of something that's really focused on the unique needs of the students. That's what really brought me to Epic and really drives me on a daily basis. I just think that's the only way to go about serving others is really being person-centered and accommodating unique needs of individuals. Man, and we do do that here. That is Absolutely. awesome. Yeah. Um, and, and I love that you said uh, we don't get into the nitty gritty. I mean, I'm paraphrasing, but um, I did like I, I went and looked it up because I know you're over governance and yeah. governance is dealing in the how it does not deal. No, it doesn't deal in the how it does <laughs> deal in the why and the what. And I thought that that was huge. Uh, and and a good thing that people know, like you're not necessarily telling us how to do our job. You are just posing good questions. Have you thought about um, what will you do if, and, and I thought that that was super uh, awesome to know. Um, with that in mind, we know that you're looking to, the board is looking to fill a few seats. Um, and, and part of the reason we're doing this podcast is maybe to generate some excitement around that. So tell us a little bit about what is expected from a board member. Yeah, great question. Um, and and we, are, uh, we are looking to bring on some new board members. So we'll, we'll talk more about that process and how folks can, can maybe go on and, and apply and, and think about uh, joining, uh, joining this great team. Um, so board members, uh, and I'll tell you, we're, our model um, that we're using right now is really um, we're working towards potentially over the next few months, um, the board may arrive at a place where we've even narrowed down some of the time commitment, but even before then, the time commitment is not substantial. Now, I know that's a relative term, so that's, <laughs> um, but uh, for the most part, so we have monthly board meetings uh, and those uh, maybe a couple of hours in the evening um, and, and, and a, a, a board member or director should be present in person to participate in that meeting. Um, we do have a couple of um, committees uh, currently, and we may be at some point streamlining that down to fewer committee assignments. And so, uh, but as it stands now, we have a few committees that, um, that as a board member, you might be asked to serve on one. Uh, and those committees typically will meet, you know, maybe for an hour or so, uh, you know, in advance of the, of the larger board meeting. Um, and we ask that members uh, prior to the meeting, uh, we are, you all are so good about providing us all the information in advance. And so we can go in and review um, all the materials before the board meeting, uh, be very knowledgeable and aware of the votes we're taking, start making that, you mentioned questions. That's one of the most important things we can do as a board member is ask those questions. And so really coming up with our list of questions to ask at the board meeting, um, and then just having that conversation and, and being well-informed when we take those votes um, each month. And so um, so that's about it. It's not really, uh, I, I don't think it's a, a very significant time commitment. Um, and much of that is due in part to, as you said, Aaron, it's you all are running the school. That's a very busy job and kudos to you all who are doing an outstanding job of that. Um, we are, as you said, really here to, to sort of set, um, you know, help set the, um, the ends, we call it the ends, the, the vision, the direction, where we're trying to get, right? Or we talk a lot about our aspirations as a school. You know, we've got five aspirations. So really helping to establish what those aspirations are and where we're heading. We then defer to, um, you know, to you all uh, in, in school leadership and administration and staff and faculty to really come up with the how, as you said, how you're going to get there. Um, and then ultimately as, as board members, you know, 
we are really looking at in the end, are we hitting the metrics we want? You know, are our students ready? Are they achieving what we want them to achieve? And then, so we go, we go about it looking at it that way and looking at the data to really make sure that the how that you all are, are coming up with and implementing and overseeing, that that's getting us ultimately where we want to go as a school and where our students want to be. I love that. Uh, so talk to me then, how does someone become a board member? Is there a process? How do we, how do we send people to that process? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes, we and we are encouraging. So we we currently have six uh, board members. Uh, my term uh, expires in March. I believe uh, Wywana Montgomery, uh, one of our other board members, her term expires here relatively soon in about a month or so. Uh, and so we have one current opening as of today. We'd like to be at seven, uh, but a couple of more openings coming along. And so what we would love to do is have folks who are interested um, in, in serving um, go to the EPIC uh, website. Uh, and on the website, um, you can uh, go to uh, the board of directors page, and there should be a link there that you can click on. And that walks you through a brief application process to apply um, for consideration uh, uh, to be nominated uh, to be a board member. Uh, and so we, and I just have to say, this is one of the most rewarding experiences I've had. And I've been on a number of boards over time. Um, and I, I really think this probably is the most rewarding, no offense to the other boards or organizations I work with, but really the most rewarding because the work that you all are doing is truly transformative. And if I can just be a small part of, of helping to support that environment, within which you all can continue to thrive, then, um, you know, that's just, it's, I'm really fortunate to be in this seat and we are looking for folks to come in and help usher us into uh, the future with Epic. It is truly transformative. And I think that part of that, I mean, and I just speaking, you know, the world according to Aaron, I was telling somebody the other day, you know, we've been around for 11 years, but the first nine of those years, we grew by 40 to 60% every single school year. So when over half of your school is brand new, you're in startup phase again. That's and right. it wasn't until maybe last year that we were really able to see historical data becoming trends, you know? Uh, and right. so it's, it's super hard, but with that much newness, you can see things change the next month when you guys are, are making decisions. Um, and I, I think that that's really awesome. Well, and you, you all also just, you know, if I could just to say you, you all provide such good data insights. I have, it, it's, it's rare that you, and I'm kind of a data nerd, uh, as well. So that, so, so forgive me for just a moment, but but provide such good insights from meeting to meeting to the board to say, you know, this is where we are in terms of student performance. These are things that we're seeing uh, based on our data analytics, which are very rigorous and done in a way that um, I think is, is, is kind of rare. Um, and that the team is just exceptional at saying these are, according to our analytics, these are the things that we think are working. These are things that could lead to improvement. And so just really being able to be responsive to real-time data and make those adjustments as needed to make sure that the students are successful um, and that we're serving them in a holistic fashion is just powerful. I mean, you really are truly doing transformative work and it just continues to, you build on that foundation of knowledge. I, I feel, you know, every month or every data run, you start to see more and more insights and that continues to grow. So that's exciting. We've talked a little bit about what's expected of a board member. 
who is allowed to be a board member? I remember a few years back, you know, I'm super green in the world of education. I thought, well, I'll go be a board member and I'll be a teacher. And they said, no, 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 you can't do both. Yeah. So who can be a board member? What does an ideal board member uh, look like to you? Yeah, that's a great question. And so I kind of, there's kind of two pieces to this. One is, you know, what are, what are requirements and then what are the, the, the criteria that we look for that, you know, that lead to potentially lead to greater success for an individual who wants to serve, um, you know, so, you know, you need to be 18 years of age. Um, and so be, you know, be over 18, 18 or above being an adult. Um, and we look for folks who are uh, residents here of the state of Oklahoma, because our, our, what we call our owners as a board, meaning really sort of why we're here, why I'm in the seat that I'm in, who puts us here and who we work for. Um, that's the people of Oklahoma, right? So we we serve the people of Oklahoma, uh, and therefore, you know, we we look for folks who are residents of Oklahoma. Um, beyond that, I would say, in terms of requirements, it's fairly wide open in terms of who can apply. But to know if if um, someone's going to be successful, there are things that we look at, and so um, I would say we definitely would look at. Um, and again, there's no, it's, this is not a hard and fast rule, but these are some of the criteria we consider overall in the decision-making process in terms of nominations. Um, we might be looking at someone who has some uh, previous uh, experience serving on a board, a nonprofit board, um, you know, some sort of leadership role in your community. Um, a couple of things that I, and this is just according to Ed, right, that, you know, I personally think it, it's important if someone can show that they really have a solid understanding um, of the needs in their community, you know, and so we're looking for representation that's very diverse on our board. We want our board to represent the student body, which is a very diverse student body. We want our board to be representative of our student body and of the people of Oklahoma. And so we're looking for folks who, who bring that voice to the table from whether it's, you know, rural Oklahoma, I mentioned originally being from rural Oklahoma. Um, so having that rural, rural voice, um, we look for uh, individuals who uh, maybe uh, are a parent of an EPIC student who's, who can really speak to that experience directly, right? Yeah. Um, uh, we look, you know, looking for diversity um, with regard to race, ethnicity, gender. Um, we look at um, different professional skills and backgrounds that folks can bring to bear um, in decision-making on the board. And so, you know, maybe that's someone with um, legal background or accounting background, um, or community engagement or communication. So um, all of those are sorts of things that we look at. Um, we will, I'll say, you know, we look at the board overall from the, the vantage point of the governance committee to say, um, where are we today in terms of our representation of the, of the students we serve? Where are we today in terms of the skill sets that we have and that we need? We identify what those gaps look like. And then as we get uh, applications in for new board members, folks who want to be nominated, we will look through and say, okay, we've really got a gap here in this area of representation. Um, you know, who, who has submitted their application that can help us fill that gap so that we make sure at the end, we've got a, a team of folks working cohesively, really providing that broad representation. You know, I can't represent everyone's voice uh, uh, and nor can any one person. Uh, and nor can, you know, oftentimes a board can't represent everyone, but we can we can do our best to make sure we've got different uh, life experiences, uh, lived experience on the board, so that that can help inform our decision making in a way that we feel is responsive to the students and the families we serve. Okay, the next three questions are super hard. 
Oh no. I know, okay. I'm so sorry. If yeah. you had a magic wand, all right, mm -hmm. what would be your number one priority you'd still like to see resolved before your term is up? Yeah, that's, that's a good question. And that is a really hard question because uh, I can think of so many things I would love to do. Um, so I'll try to narrow it down. I honestly, and it's not just because this is a topic in the in the in the podcast and that you just asked me this, but really related back to um, our board recruitment and the, the members that we have on the board. Um, I would like to see us um, not only in terms of numbers add to the board, but I would really like to make sure that we have got an incredibly diverse uh, board across all those areas that I talked about a moment ago. And I think that um, you know I think we're getting there. But if you um, if you look at our board members right now, we're heavily focused in, or maybe all focused in kind of in the Oklahoma City metropolitan area. We really need other representation, other voices. Um, and we do our best, you know, it's, you know, so like I said, I, I originally am from rural southeast, southeastern Oklahoma, but I've been in the, in the metropolitan area for quite a while now. So, it, you know, I don't really feel like I can fully represent that voice. So really adding the diversity of our board. Um, and then I would say we're we're implementing something now called um, the Carver governance model, where we're really, as I said, streamlining kind of our committees, uh, maybe narrowing down to maybe you know maybe it ends up just being one committee outside the regular board meeting or two committees. Um, but but what that means is um, we've we've all at least either served on a board or seen a board and organization function in which you you really divide that labor up across this committee structure. And sometimes you've got a committee to talk about committees, right? You've got tons of committees, all sorts of committees. Um, and sometimes that's necessary, but we really don't think it is. What we're heading toward is that we're able to have virtually all the conversations we have as a board are, are together as a full group in those board meetings that are streamed on Facebook Live. I know you all do a wonderful job of that each month um, and that anyone is, is welcome to um, to attend, to sign up for public comment, to tune in and watch on Facebook Live. So we want to have all those conversations in that setting where you can hear not just the decisions we're making, the votes we're taking, what's our rationale for it, right? Let's ask the questions and let's have the conversation there in that setting. So I, I do fully intend to see us uh, have that implemented fully um, before I accept uh, my, my board service with EPIC. And I think that will be a really, really nice feeling. Excellent, awesome. Okay, the next one, you, um, the board, you guys helped draft the aspirations that we can, we can kind of point everything to, and, and we are beginning to point everything to, is this, this is holistic um, education for a child. This is, uh, we're overtly uh, present in the community. I love having things to point to. What is your opinion of the work we're doing now? And then how would you like to see us manage or push them in the future? That's a that's a really great question. Your last three are are challenging questions. So, <laughs> but that is you are doing your job well. I, I, I've mentioned before you do an outstanding job, and uh, you, you're you're definitely doing it here. Asking some all right, I'll questions. slip that five dollars to you later. All right, very good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and so you know those aspirations as you as you mentioned, we have five of them. Um, and if you don't mind, maybe if I could just very briefly mention kind of what those encompass. Yeah. Um, so our aspir, and I've got them here. I kind of have them memorized, but I don't want to mess them up on the podcast, right? So, uh, you know, so one aspiration is that our EPIC graduates are future ready and in demand. 
Um, another, all EPIC students are provided a holistic education. We referenced that earlier, that meets their individual needs. Again, that student-centered, person-centered approach. Uh, EPIC is a world leader in caregiver empowerment and engagement. So again, going beyond the student to the caregiver, to the family. Um, building and supporting the community is overtly evident in all aspects of, of EPIC. And you can see that, again, if you, if, you, if you go to the website, if you watch the board meeting streams, if you keep up with any of the newsletters or any of the other things that you're putting on social media, that's very evident that we're doing that. Um, and then finally, the fifth aspiration is that EPIC leads in innovation and workplace satisfaction. Um, and so in mentioning those, not only are those powerful aspirations and, and I think really um, bold yet achievable things that we're working toward, what's exciting is that it is a couple of things. In those aspirations, you're talking about, uh, first of all, serving, you're being person-centered while serving the full ecosystem within which that student's operating. And that's an absolute necessity. Um, you all are doing that, a fantastic job of that. Um, you also see um, some hints uh, along the way through several of those talking about sort of workforce development or preparation for, you know, whether it's having a life plan, whether it's getting um, credentialing, industry recognized credentialing and ready for, you know, getting, getting a job. Um, I talked a few months ago at a board meeting that I had just returned from a, a state um, uh, Oklahoma Academy Town Hall event hosted in Durant um, that was focused on workforce development. We recently heard um, from, um, from, from state government, from our, our friends and leadership of the state legislature and the governor's office, a top priority in the state workforce development. We're talking about it everywhere. Employers are talking about it. It was a hot topic before COVID, post-COVID. It's, it's, it's probably an even harder challenge. And so what's, what's fascinating to me is you all are working into your strategies, not just making sure students are prepared to score well on exams and do, and, and that you are doing that, but you want to make sure too that that's translating to um, someone, you know, a student once they graduate, uh, having the ability to get a job and that they that's meaningful to them, uh, doing something they want to do um, and 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 being independent. And so that's such a priority for the state. And I just see so much of what you all have developed is lining up perfectly with what we're trying to do as a collective, as a state. And so um, all that to say, doing a fantastic job, I think you're moving in entirely the right direction. Um, and not only that, I think, uh, frankly, I think you're leading the way. I think you are setting a high bar for where we need to be moving, uh, both academically and practically speaking, to make sure that students are successful when they when they leave Epic. So um, just kudos to Epic for, for all their work on those aspirations. And, wow. and I should say, we are developing, we will have, uh, you know, we, we have that discussion every month, and we also uh, continue to look at what are those metrics or performance metrics that tell us if we're hitting those, right? And so yeah. that's going to be important as we go forward as well. And, and I know that yeah. we'll be world leader is really difficult to measure, but <laughs> <laughs> it is, you know, I had this conversation recently with someone on a different topic, but it's about the nature of being bold and, and the necessity for that. Yeah. And, and, and you are definitely doing that at Epic and it shows because I think you've got to be bold if you want to, if you want to make the progress that needs to be made, you've got to be bold and you all are doing that. And I should say our students are doing that. And it's, it's just a pleasure to be a part of that. Awesome. Next hard one. Um, so you talked a second ago about students being ready for the future, being ready to step foot. We're going to start a new campaign on February 1st, the, the Future Ready campaign. Yes. 
And so um, part of that, we've got different kiddos coming in to talk about what they're doing. We've got alumni coming in to talk about where they're at now. And I mean, one of these kiddos, uh, she um, was with Epic. She was able to get a few college classes done before she left Epic. That way she only had a year to finish that associate's degree. And that was before we had the Epic Collegiate Academy, obviously. Yeah. So she finished that associate's degree in one year after she was done, went straight into interior design, worked in the field for a few years, and now she's starting her own label in interior design. That wow. is a great, you know, a great success story and, and something we'd love to hang our hat on. Um, that's her way to be future ready. Mm -hmm. What does future ready grad mean to you and mean to the board? Yeah, that's an excellent question and great examples. And I, I know you're going to be highlighting and sharing some of those stories going forward and uh, can't wait to see them and share them on social media and, and just so much to be proud of our students, uh, from our students. Um, so, you know, in my mind that that it is defined by the individual student, right? We all have in mind what for us is sort of our best life. Um, and and I, interesting, um, you know, we talked about, I mentioned a moment ago, in being future ready, a piece of that that you all have focused on is every student leaving with um, this individualized kind of life plan and having that in place. Um, we, I, I got the opportunity to hear uh, superintendent uh, Banfield at one of the graduations, I think it was specifically the one that was held in Tulsa um, uh, a few months back, and he talked about that life plan and said, you know, he recognizes that, you know, it, I'm trying to think of myself, you know, graduating high school, what my life plan would have looked like, it probably would have looked very different than how it ended up, uh, and he acknowledged that, that, you know, certainly that's not uncommon, that's to be expected, but it's not so much even about what it is or where you think you're heading at the moment, it's putting it down and figuring out and thinking critically about, okay, to get from point A to B, what do I need to do next? What resources do I need? Who do I need to bring around me to lift me up and help get me in that direction and hold me accountable? And so just that thought process, um, I think is really powerful. Um, and again, it does look different for, for everyone. I think it is what is meaningful, meaningful for um, the individual. So as we're working with all of our students, and wanting to make sure we're meeting their needs. Um, you know, I got the chance a few years ago to work on an initiative with some of our state agencies where we were looking at workforce development and employment and independence opportunities um, for individuals with intellectual and developmental disabilities. Um, and we, you know, we found often that in, in, in helping folks get jobs um, that uh, were of interest to them that you know, we tended to make assumptions about what types of jobs they wanted or where we could place them or what they could do or what their potential was. And when I say we, that's again, the royal kind of universal societal we, right? Um, without really sitting down and talking about, you know, the vision of the individual, what it is it that you wanna do, right? How can we build that out for you? How can we accommodate and customize the pathway forward? And there's a lot of uh, literature out there around customized employment and things like that, that I won't, you know, bore the listeners with, but, um, but is really still kind of that same concept to say, what is meaningful for you? What is your best life? What does that mean to you? What do you want to accomplish? And then working around that and making sure that the individual has the resources to get there. And so um, that, that just, I keep that in the back of my mind to make sure that, again, we're not making any assumptions about what the end result is for the student when they graduate, but but making sure we're listening to them and really tuned into supporting them. 
That is a great answer. And Ed, I got to tell you, I sort of lied to you. Oh no, you have another hard question. <laughs> Whenever <laughs> I put the show notes together, I put a few questions in white on white down here so you wouldn't see them until I could oh, ask them at the end. I knew uh, it. <laughs> <laughs> I was just recently on another podcast being interviewed about Epic and they hit me with these lightning round questions at the end. And oh. I thought Adam Grant has a podcast and he does lightning round. So I'm going to, you're my first, okay? Oh to do lightning round questions. I'm You're happy right. to be the test case. You may decide not to do it after today and that's okay. <laughs> we'll fail forward. That's um, right, fail forward. <laughs> I'm in. Sweet or savory? Oh, sweet. Sweet. And, yeah. and are you a fruity sweet or a chocolate sweet? Uh, you can't go wrong with sweet. But... Okay, that's the way I feel too. <laughs> that's the way I feel too. I am, I am totally... Uh, Every, every sweet is ready for me and yes. I'm ready for every sweet. What is your favorite, what's your favorite day of the week? Oh gosh. Okay. I'm going to go with Wednesday and that might sound strange. I know you're, you're looking doubtful. Right? I know. I was sure. like, okay. You're not yeah. buying it. Uh, I, I recently started something uh, on my calendar, on my work calendar. I started, I, I kind of, I try to block off a big chunk of time on Wednesdays and call it deep work Wednesdays. Uh, so that I can really focus in and, you know, I'm not just meeting back to back, back to back. Um, and it doesn't always work, but it's, it's, it's working better than what I, where I was before. And so I really look forward to that because I can really take a deep dive into some stuff and really spend some time contemplating that deep work. So I'm going to say Wednesday. I like it. Okay. Rob and Shauna, when you listen to this, no, when you see my calendar block, <laughs> Zed's idea. Um, yeah, totally. no, I love it. So I don't, have you ever done any of the giant leadership stuff or do you know who they are? Uh, Jeremy I have Kovac? not. Okay. So, but they talk about these gears and um, gear one is, is relatively light. We're just conversational. Uh, gear two is we're working with conversational, you know, and it moves up. Gear five is leave me alone. I need to think, mm. I need to process, I need to work. And, and I will go into times where I just put it on do not disturb and I've got to write this content or I've got to, to get this out of the way. Yeah. Um, so I love that answer. And, and Wednesdays can be acceptable. That's an acceptable answer. Oh, great. <laughs> well, we'll, well, ask me again, you know, uh, later on and we'll see if I'm still sticking with Wednesdays, but right now okay. that's my go-to. <laughs> okay. Uh, a nickname your parents call you or called you? Oh gosh. Um, you know, I don't know if it's a nickname, it's just a younger version of my name, but you know, my, to this day, uh, my mom calls me Eddie, uh, which is totally, you know, totally fine. But I've, I've gone back and forth over the years from Edward, uh, Eddie to Edward to Ed. And right now I'm pretty comfortable in the middle there with Ed, but she still calls me Eddie to this day. So. Oh my gosh. I love that. Uh, (laughs) books or audio books. Oh, um, books. I, I need to see it to process it. Uh, I will listen to audiobooks uh, time and again, but sometimes I, I miss some things. Or if I hear something really interesting, then I actually want to go to the page and read it. So yes. I'm going to go with books. Uh, I mean, I've, I've got both. I've got a bookshelf here. You can see it. I love books, uh, mm-hmm. but um, I typically am reading two books at the same time. One is audible and one is is tactile. So Oh, can I say, I, I, and I won't tell you the number because it's embarrassing, but I have a, a ridiculous number of books that I've started and I'm currently trying to read all of them. And I think maybe, maybe Deep Work Wednesdays need to focus in on one book for me because I'm just all over the place. I don't know if you can, I've got tragedy and hope up here and 
and I, I know it's, it's, uh, it's a snore for a lot of people. <laughs> it's, it's one of those, like it's, it's on the bucket list of before I die, I will finish this one. Yes. Uh, but I, I'm kind of a geek in, I, I like that kind of stuff. And so uh, government work, it's that's oh. wrap me up in it. I love it. Yep. Um, okay. So then I guess we, I kind of already possibly know your answer, but audiobooks or podcasts? Well, uh, certainly if it's your podcast, I'm going to say podcast. Uh, and yeah, five is coming at you. Yeah, that's the only answer. Yeah. <laughs> Ed Long, thank you so much for coming on the show and breaking it down for us. Any last words to give the listeners? Uh, just, I would encourage you if, if you are interested or someone in your community that you think would just be such a great voice for the community and, and, and uh, would love to serve in, in, in this role with the EPIC board, go to the, the EPIC uh, website, uh, check out the application, take a look at it. Um, if you have questions, there's probably, I think there's probably a way there on that page to contact someone and ask questions, um, but just encourage you to get involved. And if it's not with EPIC on our board, uh, you know, just in other other aspects of the community, serving education, serving our students and caregivers, we serve statewide. And so uh, if, if we don't currently collaborate with you, then there's always an opportunity that we will be in the future. So just stay engaged. And I, I just want to thank you, Aaron, for uh, opportunity to be on here. And thank you for all you do. All right. Thank you. Uh, well, that is all the time we have for today. So tune in next week where we are rethinking how leadership and education can better prepare the next generation for a rapidly evolving world.